Wow, Connie, last week's episode was really fun talking about where you came from, where these ideas came from as well. But I want to touch on something that I heard you talk about in the Wealthways podcast that you were on that I edited for one of my clients. Mm-hmm. And it was an idea you call the negative record player. Mm. What do you mean when you're talking about a record? Well, first of all, for our younger listeners, what is a record player and what is a negative record player? Okay, so record player, right, for us old timers, they're, they're the old albums, the vinyl albums, and you put them on a turntable and you would have a needle or an arm with a needle that you would put on and the music would play. So fast forward, now you have your iPhone with, and you have, I don't even think it's iTunes anymore, it's Apple Music and Spotify and all these other platforms for music that we really hold, these major computers in our hands and our phone. But the record player in the day, if you listen to it too much, it would get what we would call grooved, deep groove. And then it would start repeating. So part of the song, I love you, I love you, I love you. (laughs) It would go into this spiral of repeat, repeat, repeat. And the vinyl album was then null and void. You couldn't use it anymore because of this skipping piece of it. So we would call it a grooved record on your record player. So now as, as an adult, I remember that. And, I, and, and we all have negative thoughts. Nobody is immune to it. DP and I are not immune to it, even though our glasses always have full and we're positive thinkers and all those things. We have crappy days too, right? So we have the negative record player that is always there. So your negative record player probably sounds something like, I better not do that. I don't think I'm good enough. Mm, I'm not smart enough. Mm, DP is smarter than me. I'm not going to get that job. They're going to get that job. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not slow enough. Whatever it is, it's the I'm not. And it plays over and over and over again. And for one of my one of my podcast shows, I, I do an intro kind of like DP does. And I always pick a quote, a quote that sets the stage for what the show is going to be about. And one of them was about this, you know, ne- that negative mantra. And I went and I looked up some statistics, DP, and it's something like we have 89 negative thoughts a day, 89,000 negative thoughts a day. Tomorrow, 90% of those 89,000 thoughts are the same thought recurring. So that's how the record player gets grooved because it's not just a one and done. I'm not good enough. And I don't think about that again. No, I'm not good enough happens every day and sometimes for our whole life. So that groove gets really, really deep and really, really hard to change. I wanted to bring up the whole concept of your negative record player concept, because some people might think, well, that's what other people call imposter syndrome. And I go, no, 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 no. They're related. They're like sisters that hate each other, but they're different because an imposter syndrome is I've only worked in advertising for 10 years. What do I know compared to someone who's been in it for for 15? I don't know as much as them. Therefore, I won't write a book until I've been doing this for 20 years or something. And that type of thing, you just got to get over and say, you know what? Your point of view is your point of view and no one else has it. So if you have a point of view on any subject, that's book worthy. If you do the research and if you have the experience and if you have the ability to do what you did with your book, ESP, Easy Sales Process, which was analyze what you do and how you do it and get it out into the world so that people can understand your point of view, your process for doing something. Correct. That's imposter syndrome. 
Negative record player, the way you've described it, is a little bit different because part of that negative record player might be, in my case, I was terrible at math in high school. Yes. I, I, therefore, I can't possibly understand mathematical concepts. And the second I see a spreadsheet, all of a sudden I start sweating and, you know, all this stuff. And it keeps going and going and going. And the fact is, as you say, some of that stuff is never going away. But if some stuff can't go away, that implies that some stuff can go away. So how do you overcome some of that grooved record, negative record player stuff? Do you have a process for that? Yeah, well, I'll just again, for, and this can work for some and some people are going to be she's out of her mind. This will never work. So you, you have to be choose to be open to recommendations. And he, just I want to take a step back, DP. Everybody has filters, right? Male, female, we think differently. True statement. OK, there's a filter where you were raised. If you were raised in this country or not, whether you're raised on a farm or an inner city filter is created. You're seeing the world through that filter to some extent. Generational filters, right? Your heritage, right? I'm Italian. So big family. We have 40 people for dinner. It's not a big deal. Some of my friends, their heart stops when they hear I have 40 people on Christmas Eve, right? They're panicking at sick. So all of these filters are in place. So I believe that sometimes I say things and DP could say the exact same thing slightly differently, but the content is exactly the same. But you like the way I say it better and you think, oh, she's brilliant. Meanwhile, DP said the same thing 30 seconds ago. So we all have filters. So I will share with you what works with me. That doesn't mean that I'm right or wrong or the best or whatever. I'll just tell you what works. So first thing, when you catch yourself saying negative things, you literally have to stop and think, where did that come from? And isolate that negative thought. But you have to, most people, they go, it's a bad thought. I'm going to have a positive thought now. It's BS. You, you, that's not how you change things. So really look at that negative thought and think, where the heck did that come from? When did I start feeling that that was the truth, that whatever that thought is? And then go back and think, was that a truth back then? Whatever, because usually these things happen when we're children that we form these beliefs. So go back and think, well, was that a true statement? Is that true today? And that's the truth then. Well, then be mindful of it, right? You know, sometimes fear isn't a bad thing. If it's going to hurt you, then yeah, by all means, that negative thought, keep it. It's going to serve you. But if you go back and think, ow, I remember when I learned this thought, that was such a false, that was a child's perspective. Wow, that's not the truth anymore. And just like that, that thought now becomes evaporated because it's not real. You don't have to hold on to it anymore because you went back to the source. So that's one thing that I absolutely do. Can I give an example? Sometimes that is more uh, tangible. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love stories and examples. Go for okay. it. Okay. So my husband and I, we live, I grew up in Newark, New Jersey, which was the inner city, riots, the whole thing, scary place to be. And we moved to this place called Holmdel, which was all farms, great school system and the whole thing. Okay. So I grew up there, got married, had kids. My mom and dad were going to help babysit. My husband and I bought a house in this town, very affluent town, very beautiful town. And we were driving one day down this one of the major roads and there was a brand new house, had to be 10,000 freaking square feet house. And in the front were little tykes, little, you know, slide thingy. And I said to my husband, so that clearly these, this was a younger couple, right? Probably in their 30s. I said to my husband, I wonder what he does for a living. I bet he's a crook. Well, as it came out of my mouth, DP, I was horrified. I don't know who this person is. Never right. met them. I knew nothing about them. And my husband, now he's driving. He looks at me and he goes, what was that? And I, wow. I go, I got to think about that. So I, I said, just give me a minute, man. I got to pause. I got to, I got to go into my memory bank. 
So growing up in Newark, the mob was a thing, right? The mafia was a thing. They were very big in Newark back in the you know, 60s and 70s. And we, I was five years old, DP, and we, I was in the back of the car, six of us, so I don't know where we were coming from, and we passed all these beautiful homes. So as a little kid, right, Cinderella and all this, I'm like, oh, who lives there? Like, do princesses live there? Five-year-old mind, okay? And both my parents jumped all over me. Crooks live there. Bad people live there. People are dying in there, and they're evil. And, and I was like, oh, okay. What did I equate the five-year-old mind? Big house, they must be a crook. They must be bad. They must be killing people. Now, fast forward, you know, I was 50 something years old, passing this house with the little tights. He clearly had to be a crook because he had a big house. And at that moment, I sent them love. And I thought, whatever you're doing, I hope you continue to create wealth and do great things in the world, right? I changed my paradigm of thinking right then and there. But it took me a good 15 minutes to recollect that memory that was false. It was a false memory. So do you see how things... And now that became a mantra, big house, you know, you're, you're a crook, but I want to take it one step further, one step further. Do you know why that was, that thought was truly holding me back? Why? In my why? business, I was afraid of success because if I was successful and I had the big house and I had a lot of money, people were going to think Connie Whitman crook. Wow. I don't think that anymore. I love that idea of filters because a lot of people have a hard time looking inward because they're afraid of what they're going to find. Absolutely. So if you think of it this way, I just want to identify my filters and ask myself, am I still affected by that filter? Or is that still, a, is it a true filter? For example, you mentioned if you grew up, I, I'm here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a little bit different than New Jersey, not in terms <laughs> of only population, but style, speed of talking, what's acceptable, fashion, <laughs> hairstyles, you name it, a big difference. That's a filter that can serve me well or it can serve me ill. For example, if I said, oh, I've watched The Sopranos, everybody in New Jersey is Tony Soprano and uh, you know all that scary stuff, I'm gonna be doing what a lot of people do on certain news channels, which is point to an entire metro area and say, that's where bad things happen. Exactly. And that's garbage. Every single place, even a town of 25,000, has a, a great area, a crappy area, an industrial area, a business district, and everything else. Right. So you've got, everybody's got the same mixed bag of stuff that's going on. So for me, if I have that Midwest uh, kind of, I'm not in a rural area, but a more a rural mindset, if I look at, New York City as the dangerous place, I am 100% wrong. But at the same time, I went to New York at age 13 in 1976 when the subway trains were all, everything was graffiti everywhere. Times Square was as seedy as seedy gets. And I'm 13 years old. My parents, back in the days, pre-helicopter parents, they let us ride the subway all the way up the island, down the island, back and forth by ourselves. Because one, we don't have any money. So who's going to bother a 13-year-old boy? But if I came out of that, I could definitely have a filter that New York is bad. Right. I don't. Because instead, I look at it as New York has some bad people. It's got some middle people. And it's got great people. That's so right. who are you going to connect with? Who are you going to seek out? I'm going to find out the ones who love their children, 
who care about their families, who love their community, who uh, engage. And those are the people I'm going to associate with the same way I do the same thing right where I'm living right now. I'm not suddenly going to be hanging out with mafiosos and drug dealers. I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that idea of filters, doing the work and identifying your filters like, OK, I grew up in a, a very stern religious background. That's a filter. Or I grew up or I, I went to a high school that was a little bit scary. That's a filter. I went to a state school, not an Ivy League college. That's a filter. If, if you can identify those things, it, it's not that it depersonalizes you. It allows you to look at them almost like I'm holding my hand in front of my face like, oh, this is like a camera filter. That's right. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that I can choose to keep or get rid of. That's exactly right. It's a choice. It's a choice. And that's a key thing about the subject of this podcast, personal branding. Everything you choose to do is a choice. Everything you choose to put out in the world is a choice. It says something about you. So the question in terms of personal branding is, is it saying what you want to say about yourself? Is it serving the people you want to attract? Is it completely true, completely you? That's what this podcast is about. And that's why I'm so excited to have Connie Whitman on. Because let me tell you, this we both agree that the word authenticity is one of those words that's been chewed to death and it doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> I don't, yeah. But she's as real and genuine and true to herself as you can possibly get. And I can't help but think that's a big part of your success, serving people and clients and building a community online and stuff like that. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Has being yourself served you well? 100%. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. You know, I remember the first time when I got into sales, like, and I knew I was actually getting a sales job, not like at the dealership and from the previous episode. And I walked into, after my sales manager, I had an appointment alone and it was insurance and investments. I had my series seven and all my health and life and all those insurance licenses. And I sat down at the table with a young couple blue collar worker. He was the sole provider and they had two little girls and he, I need life insurance. I said, yeah, I understand that. And when I started asking them questions about their budget, which they didn't think I was going to do, they thought I was just going to talk about the different types of insurance. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know what you need. I have to understand you before I can make a recommendation. That's me being me because I'm honest. Right. So again, all of these things, I, to me, this education is sales. Just keep that in your head. Education is sales. That's it, the long and short of it. So I sat with them, looked at their budget. They were just, a, just about putting food on the table. So I said to them, we have to cut some of the expenses and figure out where we can cut so that we can figure out what the payment is and then actually have the money to pay the payment. So yes, you can protect the house. Yes, you can protect the children and get food, on, but get food on the table at the same time. 
So I worked with them probably about eight or nine months, did not get paid, by the way, put them on a budget. We reiterated, reiterated, we figure out what they could do without what they really needed, blah, 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 all of that. And we came up with the payment that they could consistently pay. Now, could I have gone in? He wanted the life insurance. I could have given him the life insurance. That's what he wanted. And six months later, he would have spent $600 or whatever a dollar amount it would have been. And the policy would have lapsed. So I would have gotten paid. The, the, you know, Prudential would have gotten paid, but this guy would have been out $600 that he desperately needed. So for me, I taught for the nine months, we got the life insurance. And oh, by the way, the life insurance didn't lapse. Imagine that. So what do you think? I'm going to ask you, DP. That was me being me teaching, right? Go into that. And, and here's another thing. Remember, I was, I, had, I was probably almost done with my MBA at that point. I was privileged in the sense that, and by the way, I paid for my own, my parents paid for my undergraduate, but I paid for my graduate degree. Right. So and a lot of effort went into that. I'm not saying I was privileged that I didn't have to do anything to earn it. Right. But here I had the opportunity of this education. This guy didn't. His wife didn't. And I felt the responsibility to teach her financial how to manage the books and all of those things. Again, for their both their long term health, financial health. Right. So nine months later, what do you think happens after I did finally sell the policy? Just can you guess? And if, if you don't know, it's fine. I was already in my head saying, well, they just became members of your unpaid sales force. They are going out there and they're telling every single person they know, oh, don't even talk to anybody else. She's the one who's going to not only sell you what you're interested in, but she's going to tell you how you can pay for it. She's going to find room in your budget you didn't know you had. She's going to be the one who's going to educate you on you know, let's face it. High school does a terrible job preparing people Absolutely. In, when it comes to finances. Absolutely. You know, the I, I'm, I don't know the people you were talking to, but I'm guessing they may never have had a budget before. They may have never thought in terms of budget. They thought in terms of, well, we've got a car payment. We've got uh, an apartment payment. We've got, oh, school's coming up. We got back to school. How are we going to pay for that? I don't have any clue. And then all of a sudden what happens? People shut down because they're like, I don't paycheck to paycheck. We have as much as the paycheck is. That's not a budget. Right. They didn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So you built that relationship and that relationship turns into referrals up the wazoo. Correct. And so within five years, I was living off referrals. I didn't have to make cold calls anymore. And all of the and, and one other just caveat there in the, the branch I worked in, there were 43 men and me as the only female. And I was probably one of the youngest people in on the sales force. And every week I always made my numbers because I was successful because business came to me. And I remember the old timers came up to me and going, how are you getting that business? And I'd be like, oh, my friends go. And so they referred their friends. And because I was innocent, I, di- I didn't know. Right. It, to me, it was all referrals because I did the right thing. And they were like, yeah, you're lucky. You're lucky. No, I wasn't lucky. Yeah. And, and maybe it was luck. I think it was integrity. I think because I had integrity and I approached sales from an education standpoint, not let me sleaze out of here and get the business. It was never it was never about the money for me either. You know what I mean? Like the, it yeah. was truly helping the person in front of me, whatever that meant. Well, you brought it up earlier, so I feel comfortable talking about it. And we're old enough that we can admit such things. Men and women are different. Yes. And uh, you don't ever want to paint anybody with too broad a brush, but fundamentally there's a difference. And I think that goes all the way back to our Neanderthal days when men were the hunters and women were the gatherers. Consequently, so, and you'll hear this a lot with salespeople, especially men, they're on a hunt. 
They see a target. They want to get that target. And when that target is done, they've killed it. It literally is dead. It's done. I'm moving on. Meanwhile, the gatherer female mind is about building community, constantly in touch with each other to keep each other safe. You know, you're on one side of the blueberry bush. I'm on the other side of the blueberry bush and there's a cave bear that comes out. I'm letting you know there's a cave bear coming or I'm talking to you, even though I can't see you to make sure you're safe. That's a that's a different mindset, especially when it comes to not selling, but providing solutions like how can I help you? How can you help me? I don't expect any return, but I know you're going to return because me keeping you safe, you're going to keep me safe. And it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Again, not transaction, kill the mastodon, but relationship. And that's why I'll be honest with you. I'm an old guy who prefers working with women because of that very thing. It's not about, I take the credit. You did the work. I take the credit. It's the team did this, even though I did 90% of the work. That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. As you can see, Connie Whitman is someone you need to follow and you need to connect with. And you've got a number of ways you can do that, including some, I guess, programs or workshops and packages that you can all see on WhitmanAssoc.com. That's Whitman, W-H-I-T-M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C.com. Go check those out because you, if you're interested in having a sales system that's more about relationship building than it is about transactional sales, you might want to actually pick up her book, ESP, The Easy Sales Process, Seven Steps to Sales Success, which is available on Amazon, right? Yes, correct. And on the website, wherever they need to find it, they will find it. Yep. And can I just say one more quick thing, DP? Yeah. Just remember, just remember this, guys. When you come from a place of love, care, and respect, and it's never about the money and the sale, what's in it for you, and it's always about the client journey, and you do the right thing, magic happens. All right. Well, I want to relate that to no like, and trust. Everybody talks about no like, and trust. Who was that? Bob Berg, who said, who came up with that formula? No like and trust. The Connie Whitman version of that is, say it again. Oh my goodness, what did I just say? <laughs> when you come from a place of love, care, and respect, and not about the money or the transaction, but truly the person that's in front of you and you honor them, that's when the magic happens. I really believe that. Oh, I love that. Love, care, and respect. And respect. <laughs> See, that's one of the reasons you need to have multiple points of contact with people like Connie to hear their point of view. Because again, we're talking about making sales via relationship building. There are tons of sales processes out there. Many of them have TMs on them and cost thousands of dollars. And guess what? A lot of salespeople spend those thousands of dollars or the companies they work for spend those thousands of dollars for TM to sales process, but it may not fit your personal style. That's right. So if you're interested in finding a sales process that may be exactly tailor fit for your personal style and your personality, check out Connie Whitman at WhitmanAssoc.com and the easy sales process book, Seven Steps to Sales Success on Amazon, because it might be the framework that fits you like a glove. And as I can see, Connie, you, what you're wearing fits fabulously because it is completely true to the woman I've come to know over the course of this podcast and over the course of editing the Wealthways podcast from the State Bank of Cross Plains. So again, how can people connect with you online? 
WhitmanAssos.com. And again, the free gift, WhitmanAssos.com slash CSA it's for the communicate free communication style assessment. I'd love, I'd love, and that'll get you on my email list, by the way, the CSA. And, um, and then, you know, you could connect with me, email me, then you'll, e you can email me uh, directly from there as well. Well, I think that's probably something I need to take because I need to identify my <laughs> communication style assessment deficits, the things that I could improve. It's not that I'm a bad person. Nope. It's that I might have a hole that can be filled. So if you and we all like to take personality fun. stuff. Yeah, it's fun <laughs> to learn such things. So, again, what was the specific URL for that communication style assessment? It's Whitman dot com slash CSA for communication style assessment. It's free guys, you know, take it. It's fun. It's just, it's a fun tool. Well, I'm an INTP because 16 profiles.com says I am. So <laughs> I'm going to have to find out what I am by going to <laughs> Connie's site and taking that test. What a pleasure it's been to have Connie Whitman all the way from New Jersey, New Jersey uh, baby. on the podcast here with me, DP Knuton in Wisconsin. I hope someday to meet you in person because I know that we're going to hit it off like gangbusters. You know, and it. Uh, definitely. What are your podcasts again? We didn't talk about that. I think in the last episode, I, yeah, I definitely what, want to check those out. Thank you. And again, that's on my website, but my one is enlightenment of change. I've been doing that for nine years and actually it changed names, but I just hit my 200 100th episode and I'm in 23 countries. That was kind of a, like a what? Yeah, um, yeah. But that's enlightenment of change. And then my other one is heart centered sales leader which we give a lot of tips for leadership, sales, managing, all, coaching, all of those kinds of things on that one. The Heart-Centered Sales Leader and Enlightenment of Change, all on Apple Podcasts, of course. And I also have a YouTube channel. Well, there you go, Connie Whitman. She's 24-7, 365, all over the place. It's going to be hard <laughs> to miss her. Just type in Connie Whitman in the Google, and I'm sure you're going to find her. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I would love for you to like, subscribe, refer it to other people, but most of all, can you do me a solid and review it wherever you could find podcasts for free? Because that really helps other people find it. I'm D.P. Knuton, the host of this show, and she is... Connie Whitman, the guest. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be talking at you guys again next week. Bye-bye.